Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. What's going on? Not a lot. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? It was good, man. I ate some food. I had some pie. Sarah made this amazing berry pie. Oh, wow. Is that what it's called? Sarah's Amazing (laughs) Berry Pie? Yeah, that's what the recipe was called. Okay. No. (laughs) She made it. It's all like fresh berries and stuff, so it's got a really nice tartness to it. Nice. Oh, it's so good. She, uh... So yeah, we've got another one in the fridge that we still haven't baked because it was extra. Oh. And uh, I don't know how long a pie it, can just yeah, sit in the make fridge. It till, yeah, how long will that make? I don't, Wait. I don't know. I, I want to bake it right now. I yeah. want more. It's yeah. good, man. So That, that, that kind of relates to one of the questions we're going to talk about today. While the pie awaits, what's really happening before it rises? <laughs> is, the, is the pie aware? Before it rises. Yeah, yeah that's this good. Is, this is... I just I love quest- bakery jokes. Those are good. <laughs> the questions are so good that come in that I just think about them and I just view all of life through them, including yeah. the pie in your fridge. But yeah, I don't want to hold these. I don't want to hold these good people off too long. Oh so. my gosh, that's funny. How about you? Was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, good? very good. We had time with the uh, family, and then yeah. uh, it was it was a great time. Um, did. Uh, just got a little bit of a break, worked a little bit over the yeah. break too, because I had to get ready for Sunday, but yeah. uh, but also got some break, and Good. so it was a wonderful time. That's great. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, uh, just want to jump into these questions okay. here. Uh, as a reminder to you, you can text in your sermon-related questions to 469-573-2920, or you can email them into podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org. And uh, Sunday, Craig, you uh, you preached through 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. So mm. thank you for serving us in that. And we did receive a number of questions for that. Mm. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in with uh, just the easiest of questions, right? <laughs> this first one, here we go. Where do you think the millennium fits into the rapture and end times? Yeah, that was, that's a great question. And I thought someone might ask about that because I didn't talk about the millennium at all. Uh, I just talked about the return of the Lord. And I kind of, I did tip my hand in terms of what I think a little bit because I did talk about the fact I've kind of viewed there being one return of Christ um, yeah. and that that passage talked about it. Uh, but that is the, the classic passage for those who believe in a secret rapture of the church. Mm-hmm. That's the passage uh, that is used. So how does it relate to the millennium? Well, first of all, what is the millennium? Where do we even and get that word. Is it like being a millennial or, you know, what it, what is the word? Uh, it comes, the, the person's raising that it comes from Revelation 20 and uh, Revelation 20, the first few verses say, uh, this is, you know, at the very end of the revelation, it says, John says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand, the key to the bottomless pit and the great chain. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. So a millennium means thousand years, bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. So the, the millennium is comes from this verse. It's, a, it's an idea of a thousand year period of time. And as with all of Revelation, the question becomes, is that a literal thousand years or is it a uh, symbolic a thousand years. It's, it's not misinterpreting the scripture to say it's symbolic. It's in a passage that's talking about a dragon and uh, being chained <laughs> up. So there's probably a little symbolism yeah, in the yeah. passage, but is that symbolic or not? And so really, uh, I'm going to do something. I always refer to the ESV study Bible 
Um, I answer a lot of questions by saying the ESV study Bible says, I'm actually going to read a little <laughs> section on it, Jared, because Very I think good. they do a great job on it Yeah, because there's really about three and these each break down. So in each tribe, there's sub tribes, but there's kind of three tribes, three big areas of how we review, how we view the return of Christ, which was what we talked about last Sunday, first Thessalonians four, and then this thousand year period. So the three views are number one would be what's called the premillennial view. And they believe that Christ will return before this thousand-year period that we just read about, uh, and that that thousand-year period is a period of great peace and justice, which is usually thought to be a literal 1,000-year period that will begin when Christ returns to reign on earth as a physically present king, and which will include resurrected believers reigning with him. So that is a, a common view. Now, there's a there's a subset of that, a dispensational uh, premillennial view, which includes that secret rapture of the church. This is kind of giving us more of a classical premillennial view, which is mm. Christ's return, like we read last week. And then after that, there is a thousand period, a uh, thousand year actual reign of Christ on the earth that happens then. A second view would be postmillennial. If premillennial means he returns before, then obviously postmillennial is he returns after. Um, and that, in this view, is that. Uh, that before Christ returns to earth, the gospel will spread and triumph so powerfully that societies will be transformed and peace and justice will reign on earth for a thousand years or a long period of time, it says, after mm. which Christ will return for the final judgment. So that one uh, has Christ returning after this time period, which could be literal or could be figurative. The third period is the amillennialist view. So ah meaning uh, not. So it's a non-literal uh, millennial view. It, it doesn't mean that it, the amillennial <laughs> the amillennialist uh, isn't. Um, it doesn't mean that that person doesn't believe in a millennium. It just yeah. doesn't believe in a literal. Yeah. He or she doesn't believe in a literal uh, yeah. millennium. Yeah, they're so. not rejecting scripture. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that view, here's the summary of that view. Um, Amillennialists, <laughs> man, we don't edit this podcast, but if we did, uh, we'd edit out the six, uh, the outtakes would be the six times it <laughs> took me to say amillennial. Okay, uh, they think that this thousand-year period is the same period as the present church age and that there will be no future millennium before Christ returns for the final judgment. Related to this is the question of whether the thousand years are to be interpreted literally, and most premillennialists hold this view, or symbolically, most postmillennialists and amillennialists hold this uh, hold this view. Uh, those holding each view reach John's millennial vision in terms of their understanding of other biblical texts and their approach to prophetic literature as a whole. So they don't make the whole view just from this verse, but this verse is where we get the millennium. So, yeah. uh, and then I want to read this really, really important verse. And of everything I've said, I'm sorry, this important uh, sentence, of everything I read from the study Bible, this might be the most important mm, sentence. Okay. Likewise, each of these views falls within the framework of historic Christian Orthodoxy. There you go. That's super important to say yeah. be because uh, sometimes uh, if you if you view orthodoxy, and by orthodoxy we mean what has the church always believed and mm -hmm. taught about fundamental things like uh, the deity of Christ, uh, the triune God, uh, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus, the infallibility of the Scripture. Um, you know these historic doctrines. Um, 
that within the Orthodox view, you could land on any one of these and still be an Orthodox Christian. Yet yeah. some people, uh, I kind of grew up in a tradition that held a certain type of premillennial view, a dispensational pre-trib rapture, pre, uh, premillennial view of the, uh, you know, uh, of the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, someone who didn't believe that would be viewed as, I mean, you've got to be, I, I mean, I don't think I ever heard anybody say this, but my impression was you'd have to be a liberal. I mean, you don't really believe the Bible. Yeah. You don't take the Bible literally. You don't take it uh, seriously. Yeah. Um, and there can be a kind of a view of amillennialists sometimes. And I'm going to go ahead and say of the three views, that's the one I tend toward. And I kind of said that Sunday that there's this age and the age to come. And yeah. it's divided by the return of Christ. So this age is... The millennial uh, period of time is between uh, the first and second coming of Christ, yeah. and then there is the age to come. But, but I get the I get the arguments for premillennial, the historic view, and I get the argument f- uh, for the post view. I just hold the uh, I think I just hold the ah view. So at any rate, um, but they're all orthodox. I guess that's what I want to say um, that no one should be viewed as unorthodox yeah. be- because of the view they hold on that. Amillennialists sometimes can be uh, sort of condescending in the way that they view uh, other people. Like, oh, you don't you don't really believe that this is, um, you know, uh, you, you're being overly literalistic. You're taking, just like the dragon comment I made, you're taking the uh, a dragon and, and that's not literal. So why does the thousand years have to be literal? So anyway, I don't want to be looking down on someone else's view right. or the post-millennial right. view. Sometimes they're like really radical, change the culture yeah. now. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, uh, get a theocracy going over here right. or something. So those are all caricatures that are unfair ultimately. Yeah, and I so, so I think all three of them are legitimate, mm-hmm. uh, are legitimate views, but that's the difference. Um, and I, I tend to, you know, uh, you know, so like, where's our church on this? We haven't made a definitive millennial position that everyone's held to or something like that. I would say a lot of folks in our church are premillennial, I yeah. would assume, and a lot are amillennial. And I, ha- I, I don't know, I haven't met, there could be some post-millennial people. Yeah. I'll probably, someone this Sunday will probably tell me that based on this, what we're saying here now that, that we haven't attend, we haven't tended to draw a post-millennial crowd too much. We've tended to draw historic, what I would call historic pre-mill, which wouldn't be the dispensational part, would be the one return of Christ and then, yeah. the, then the literal millennium. Uh, so we've tended to draw, I think, pre-mill, historic pre-mill or uh, ah-mill. I think that's where most of our folks are. Yeah. But uh, the fact that someone probably wouldn't even know means that we don't talk about it a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a really healthy place to land. Cause I think there's a temptation in a topic like this. You, you shared with that, that maybe it feels like once you land on what you believe in, that must be it. Yeah. Um, or in some, maybe in some church cultures that, that is how it is. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really healthy to just kind of hold that loosely and just ask the overarching question. Probably the, the main question that orthodoxy is, is concerned with is, do you believe Jesus is returning? Yes. The you know, bodily coming re- resurrection and the return yeah, of Christ. It, yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. And if you can say yes to that, uh, you know, I think having a healthy atmosphere where we can explore, right. uh, and discuss together is 
really cool. I, yeah. You know, and I grew up in a in a church that held a very specific view. Yes. And kind of like you, I, yeah. I, I mean, I it's not like as a as a seven year old boy, I was yeah. diverging and saying I'm reading these texts and I'm yeah, just right. not sure. You know, right. uh, it, it was just you you know you believe what your parents believe basically. Yeah. But uh, you know, I have a sneaking suspicion that if I you know if someone had a very different view, yeah, they may have been viewed that way. They yeah. might have been like, man, is this person Are a liberal? You, yeah, are you they, playing loose with the scripture? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you yeah. believe the word of God? Yeah. Um, so I just feel like that's such a super healthy place to be in. Of, well, I um, hope so. I, I do think there's a pendulum where there, I think you can go one direction or the other. And I'll tell you where I think I land. And and I won't say where our church lands. I'll just say where I land. But um, And that is, I think you can overemphasize this, the, the doctrine of last things, sort of mm. how things wrap up. It's called eschatology. Yeah. So I think you, on eschatology, I think it's possible to land on one side where it's everything. And yeah. we're reading the newspaper or reading it online, I guess, reading online the newspaper and the events of the day in one hand, and we're reading the Bible in the other, and we're trying to figure out what's the mark of the beast and who's the Antichrist. Okay. Yeah. And, and everything's driven by the return of the Lord. That's all we talk about, or that's the big thing. So that's one emphasis. The other side is you don't ever talk about the return of the Lord because mm. we can't figure it out. He'll come when he's going to come. And I, I think, and I would tend to be more on the side of uh, not talking as much about it. And that's what I said this Sunday. I think I've cheated myself and others mm. out of a lot of encouragement because the point of the text on Sunday was uh, he will return uh, with the previously deceased believers, we will be caught up together with them yeah. and we will always be together with the Lord. So comfort one another with these words or encourage one another. He yeah. says, encourage one another with these words is first Thessalonians 4.18. So that I don't want to miss out on the great encouragement. I don't want to react to creative uh, prophecy charts by saying, hey, well, you know, I don't really do that deal. I would, I want to say rather, I don't know how the charts all end up, but I do know he's returning and let's celebrate yeah. and let's draw real encouragement uh, for the, etern yeah. uh, the eternity that awaits us. Yeah, that's good, man. There is a song by Andrew Peterson and mm. uh, now I can't remember the name of the song, but in the bridge, there's kind of like a refrain where he repeats the words, uh, we will always be, always be, always be with the Lord. Oh, wow. And I remember listening to that and like, the, I really like the song, but when he got to that, I just... Uh, I think that was probably like an awakening moment yeah. or, or just kind of like a refreshing moment of just like, oh my yeah. goodness, there will be a day where no more will it feel like the Lord is off somewhere or yeah. no, no longer will we wonder, you know, where is he in all of this? It's will always be with the yeah, Lord. I love and what that. an encouragement that is. That is comfort. That is I love encouragement. That. It's so good. So. Yeah. I love that. Well, uh, you know, uh, sometimes there's uh, at different folks I've talked to. I'd be one of them. Um, I talk to myself. Uh, different folks I've talked to, you know, <laughs> have sort of uh, funny memories. And uh, I, I don't, at the risk of being condescending, uh, and probably I am. I just say it right now. I'm probably being condescending. But I grew up <laughs> in a time um, when in the 70s, there was a lot of emphasis on the 
what was assumed to be the immediate return of the Lord, you know, and there's something good about that in the Jesus movement. People anticipated the return of the Lord very soon. And so what did that do? It fueled evangelism. Yeah. We need to tell people about Christ and uh, because Christ is coming back. Well, that's absolutely true. So there was something very good and holy that we need to regain about that. Mm -hmm. But there was also some nonsense because (laughs) there was like films made. And so I have this vivid memory of being in fifth grade and and we were taken oh, at church. Man. We were taken to see this movie called A Thief in the Night. We watched it in the uh, auditorium of the church. And I I am scarred to this day <laughs> because it was this scare. It was like oh, the worst. Man. I looked at some clips of it actually today. I went back and looked. And I mean, I mean the production quality uh, compared to what you can do on your mobile phone right now. Yeah, you know, compared yeah, to yeah. my iPhone, the, the mobile, uh, the, my mobile phone's uh, production quality today, the production quality is very sad. The yeah. mu- music's sad. But it's just this scary thing that, that about the Lord coming and whisking away believers. And it just starts with an alarm clock going off and like the person's missing next to them. Right. And get, I guess she or he, I don't remember, gets up, must have been she, gets up to find where her husband is and there's just this electric razor on the sink. Bzzz, oh, yeah. And yeah. his clothes laid out on the ground or yeah. something, you know, he's gone. Right. And then it kicks into this classic Larry Norman song, uh, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. <laughs> life was filled, redone by DC Talk, I think, in the 90s. But yeah. life was filled with guns and wars and everyone oh, got man. trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Yeah. But it was this, oh no. And so it, yeah. I was so scarred because I was in fifth grade. I think I was a believer in fifth grade. So I was pretty confident I would go. But if I, if my mom was supposed to be home oh, my and word. I got home from school and she, you didn't have cell phones or anything. No, then, not at all. Mom's going to be home and I get there and she's not there. And like, Maybe her purse oh, was left out or something. <laughs> uh, and maybe the car's there because she walked over to the neighbors. Oh, I'm sure man. the rapture has come. I so relate to that. And, I mean, and I wish we'd all been ready and I wasn't ready. And oh, man. there's no time to change your mind. The sun oh, has yeah. come and you've been left behind. And there's a good message there, but there's also scare the daylights out of a fifth grader, man, yeah. thinking that people are going to get whisked away. And what happened? Anytime there'd be an empty car. Oh, where are they? You know? Yeah, that's right. So that was my... Uh, that was my moment of uh, scarring. And yeah. now I don't ever want to mock someone's doctrinal view of eschatology. But there's something entertaining about going back and watching that now because it's it's a bit, uh, the movie's just, it's, I don't know, it's not a B movie. Yeah. It's it's like a an F or a G movie. Yeah, I yeah. a rating of a B oh, down yeah. there. So, and now you grew up in a different generation. So your generation, it's, <clears throat> when it comes to these movies, you, you like pick Kirk Cameron or yeah, Nicolas yeah, for Cage. Sure. No, it was Kirk Cameron. Nicolas Cage was, no. Okay. Uh, it was, it was Kirk, Kirk Cameron, Cameron for guy? sure. Okay. Yeah. So do you have a memory of just like. Oh, I do. Yeah. It's very close to what you just described. Are you going to be condescending like me? No, I'm going to okay. try not to be. Okay. No, no, no. This is just the memory I had. So we, uh, I, I think my first memory of a bad Christian movie yes. uh, was this movie. And I think it was just called Revelation or something like that. Okay. And it was just, you know, the same kind of thing. Uh, I think this had to do with the rise of the Antichrist okay. and uh, how everyone was. This was interesting take. It had to do with a mixture of like virtual reality and these virtual reality goggles or something like that. But in the virtual world, that's where they would behead you. It's super interesting. I don't remember how so it all it's worked. like you got a you got tricked into like going into this virtual world, this virtual online world. But in that well, world, they Oculus would, in the Greek, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oculus in the Greek, means yeah. And like so a, they would like 
apparently if they behead you in this thing, it, you know, you die in real life or something like that. See, so I'm scared right now and I'm an adult and haven't even seen no, this. No, man, this is, this is Google. I see okay. it all over the place. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so it was that. And then it was also the left behind movies. But, yeah, yeah. uh, I remember distinctly this one time, exactly what you said, okay. the time before cell phones, Okay. my mom went grocery shopping oh. and she took way longer than she was supposed to. So I'm like, looking out the front door or yeah. front window. I'm just like, where is she? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, no. Yes. And I was like, I'm thinking through my mind. I'm like, okay, well, I've been left behind. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? I mean, I'm, I'm a little kid. I, you know, what do I do? Do, do I get a job? Like what, <laughs> you know, <laughs> do I what do I do? Job? So, so like at first it's this adrenaline rush of like, all right, I need to I get, I need all the, all the junk food <laughs> in the pantry and there's no That's limit. Right. No, it's just like, okay, I just, I have to do something. What do I do? And then it was just like, oh my gosh, my parents are gone. You oh. know? Oh man. So it's like, yeah, I've been scarred as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's now we can talk about it. We'll start a group yeah. for those who have our back. Background, but, I need therapy, you know, man. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So now we're we're doing uh, hopefully uh, doing better. But I do remember the first time I heard someone present a different eschatological view, and I really did think this person. Oh man, I believed. I thought you were like a godly Christian, but mm. you don't believe all that. And yeah. uh, now let me just say, um, the movies were bad. I don't believe the doctrine, but they may be right. And mm -hmm. if they are right and we get secretly whisked away, I'm all about it. I'm all for it. Whatever happens, once we see Jesus and we're caught together yeah. with him in the clouds, it doesn't, at what happens next, we're going to be great with yeah, it. Yeah. You know, we're going to be great with it. So ultimately, if if they're right and and it was just low production quality, but true, and that's the way it's all going to pan out. Okay, that fair enough. But anyway, go. I think those are the the three big ways to view the return of the Lord and the millennium. It's the yeah. premillennial return, the post-millennial after the millennium he returns, or uh, the amillennial, which is this age and the age to come, he returns. And then after that is, um, you know, we have uh, a judgment and new heaven, new earth and, yeah. and that. So anyway, wherever you land, uh, if, if, you, if you believe in Christ as your savior and believe he was resurrected and he's returning, we're, we're on the same team. That's good. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk through those three views. Um, that was really helpful. Can you say millennial like 10 times Man, fast? You know what? Millennial, <laughs> millennial. I really had trouble with that millennial. It was I, I good. Mean, I, just, I enjoyed just, it though. It was fun. Usually I'm the one stumbling. No, I, this is really, I really had trouble with that. So. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to this next question. Uh, really good. Uh, you know, another really good question. Here we go. What does it mean uh, by being asleep? When a believer dies, do they enter the presence of the Lord? Are they aware of the presence of the Lord or are they sleeping? Is it like a holding place, sort of like purgatory, but with no suffering since our sin is already paid for? And when a believer dies, we say that they are in heaven, no longer suffering, and they are with the Lord. But are they in heaven and with the Lord or are they sleeping and unaware of the Lord? And if believers are asleep, where the heck are the unbelievers? <laughs> are they already in hell or are they asleep too and then being sent to hell later? That's a great question. I, yeah. And it, the, 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 the questions are all good. Mm -hmm. And they come right out of the text. You know, we yeah. did, we did, as you mentioned, in case someone wasn't there, um, we did uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. 
And so verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Before that, he said, you know, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who've fallen asleep. Um, that we, and he goes on to talk about how those who are asleep will be ultimately uh, resurrected. For this mm-hmm. we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive and uh, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, uh, the dead in Christ will rise first. So those who've fallen asleep are those who've died, yeah. and then they will rise first. So on... on um, Sunday, I tried to say that I don't think he's using the image of sleep um, as uh, a picture of death, and it's a commonly used one mm-hmm. in, in that day. It would have been common uh, even in the, the Greek language to refer to death as sleep. But I think the reason he's doing that is not because it's a soul sleep, but because the contrast is between where they are, or their condition or their state now, and what will happen when they're resurrected. So it's as if the body will be resurrected to uh, new life, yeah. uh, but it's currently dormant. Mm. Uh, it's currently asleep. So the question is, what happens when you die as a believer? If we're waiting for the return of the Lord and we're waiting for future resurrection, what happens now? Well, uh, typically, uh, theologians have called that period um, the intermediate state. That's not mm-hmm. a Bible phrase that you won't, if you uh, search your Bible for intermediate state, you won't find anything. But it is sort of the mode of being that we, uh, sort of the nature of our existence between the time we die and the time Christ returns to give us resurrection bodies. So mm-hmm. what do we know about the intermediate state? Well, here's a few things. Here's where it's re- referred to in scripture. So 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So there, there's this picture that being that there is a part of us uh, that um, still exists apart from our body. So right now we're integrated beings, body and sort of our inner and our outer person, our body and mm-hmm. our spirit together. Um, but if we are away from our body, we would still be at home with the Lord, he says, um, or Philippians 1, 22, Paul says, um, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So if yeah. I continue living, I'll continue the ministry. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Yeah. So to live in the flesh, he continues on doing what you and I are doing right now, mm-hmm. uh, living life. But if he dies, he will depart and be with Christ, which is better. So there yeah. is a presence with Christ. Or, you know, the classic one is uh, from Luke 23. Think about what Jesus says to the thief on the cross. Yeah, that's why I was just looking up. That's oh, yeah. Funny. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So yeah. he's going to die. And then he will be with Christ. And so these are all passages that let us know that um, that we're in Christ's presence. I mean, there's other verses that indicate we are, while we don't have resurrection bodies, we are, um, you know, we're in a we're still in a blessed state. We could say um, yeah. Hebrews 12 says, uh, "You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God." Um, 
and goes on to say to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So Mount Zion, mm-hmm. heavenly Zion is this place where uh, God is present, the judge of all, and also the spirits, not the bodies yet, but the spirits of the righteous people who have been mm-hmm. uh, made perfect. Um, so yeah. anyway, um, it's, we're in Christ's presence. So I think that's when we say, when someone says that a funeral, it's better for this person or they're no longer suffering or they're in a better place or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, that's not just wishful thinking. I yeah. think that's that's uh, has scriptural warrant yeah. for us to say something like that. So I think we can encourage each other. I think it's appropriate to encourage someone who says, where has my departed loved one who knew Christ, where are they now? Yeah. And I think we can't say all the detail. We don't know that location. We don't know a lot of details. Yeah, but yeah, what, yeah. Is, what, is, what is that uh, dimension of yeah. existence like? But we can say this, they're with Christ and that is better by far, is yeah. what Paul says. That's good. Now, what about an unbeliever who dies? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing is, I think um, I uh, we we don't, you know, if 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 someone's last breathing word on the planet is "I deny Christ," uh, then I suppose we can be really confident they're an unbeliever. Um, if someone's not, I always hold out some kind of hope if they've heard the gospel that yeah. maybe they did turn before before they consciously died. You yeah. mean, the, the thief on the cross is a deathbed conversion. And yeah, how many are there? Right. So I'm, I'm always prayerful and hopeful that someone will turn, even if they've lost consciousness and maybe they're, you know, um, at the last stages of a terrible battle with cancer or something like that. You just never know what's going on in a heart and mind. If they've heard the gospel, they could respond, but let's say they don't respond. Um, they're not, they're not with Christ. Um, but they're also, it seems like there's this in the Bible in, in, uh, in revelation where we were just reading, there is a, a resurrection and there is a judgment and uh, then there is uh, sort of hell. Then, but there is a. It does seem to be that the, it does seem to s- uh, indicate that the unbelieving dead are not asleep either. But mm. we never we remain conscious to be with Christ is great. Um, or, but to be apart from Him is terrible. And there is a passage in Luke 16, which I don't want to make. I don't want to overemphasize this or overinterpret it. Yeah. But it is a passage where the rich man and Lazarus, yeah. where the rich man says, uh, "You know, could you take your uh, tick, uh, stick your finger in water and come and cool my tongue? Yeah. Uh, I'm tormented. Yeah. So it does seem to believe this is a, de- a departed person, a dead person, mm-hmm. uh, who is speaking of the torment of of uh, of some level of judgment. Yeah. So um, I don't know that there's a ton of scripture that addresses that, yeah. uh, but that is one. I'd have to go back and look at that more carefully. I can't remember if that was told as a parable. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't want to overly emphasize that, but I do think it's a picture that the person uh, who has died apart from Christ is saying, warn my family. Uh, yeah. There is a sense of dread and some sense of, uh, you know, uh, suffering at some level. So I think what we can say is very clear that the departed Christian is with the Lord and is blessed, is uh, is no longer suffering, um, and is in, in Christ's presence. That's, that's a very good thing. I think we can say for the departed dead, it does appear there's a consciousness, but with the scripture just doesn't tell us much about it before the, before the judgment in hell. Yeah. Well, very helpful, man. Yeah. I was, uh, you, you raised all the scriptures, uh, that I've 
kind of used in, in kind of researching this topic for myself. And I, I think the biggest one is that Jesus says to the thief today, yeah, you'll today. be with me. Um, and so I, I think when we think through, you know, those specific statements that are very clear, yeah. um, you know, we, it helps us think clearly through it. I think of just saying like, did Jesus mean what he said? Is he right. being truthful? You yeah, know? So sure. I, I think that's super helpful to take us to places like that, that yeah. are saying specific things. Um, so thank you for answering that. Yeah, that's, sure. That's those those are really question. good questions. And we're, yeah. this next passage we're going to look at Sunday is about the day of the Lord as yeah. well. So we have another uh, another week to look at some, uh, actually, A Thief in the Night, the movie that I talked about. That phrase is in the passage we'll look at this week, but oh, I, great. I'm not going to show a movie clip. Oh, man. No, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks again for answering sure, those man. questions. Hey, let's talk about some things coming up. It's December. It's Christmas time. What is happening hey, around it's Grace it's December to remember. Uh, <laughs> The Toyotathon is with us again. I, yes, I, you know, I, it took me a long time before I realized that's all. I guess that's always in December. I don't know. I guess I it guess. is. Do we have any employee pri- employee oh, pricing yeah. here at the church? For things? <laughs> we have employees. Now mm-hmm. we don't recommend. You know, we're, we're not. Do we have employee pricing on indulgences or anything? No, like no, that? no, we don't. No. Last full, week full I was price. saying I wish we had a sponsor. I forget who it was. Now I'm, oh, I'm wanting a Toyota uh, sponsor. Man, who was it? We need a sponsor. I don't remember. Jared. We yeah. do. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we do have a lot coming up. We've got a invitation which I hold here in my hands even Ooh, this moment. Uh, it's which nice we, too. Yeah, I it's like nice, it. isn't it? We, we're going to give out an invitation so that you can invite friends or family yeah, uh, locally. Uh, and uh, to celebrate mercy, the dawning of mercy, the the theme kind of is mercy dawns is what it says. Yeah. And on the back, it, it has the things that we're doing. So December 15th will be a children's choir performance. And um, the reason I, I'm mentioning that is because that is just, uh, there will always be guests when we do that because yeah. it may be grandma and grandpa. It could be a neighbor. It could be an aunt and uncle. Yeah. They come and see uh, little Joey and the performance or whatever, you know, and it's, so it's a great time. I just wanted to just help us think through, you know, this week's, uh, the eighth, mm-hmm. um, you're leading the singing, aren't you? I am. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Ahead of time. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, this Sunday's the eighth and then the next week's the 15th. And so I just want, uh, think it's important that we all think like a host. This is yeah. our home church. This is yeah. our family church. And on the 15th, there'll be a number of people that are guests. And, um, and especially if you've ever brought a family member, you like hope somebody says hi to your, your family or reaches out to them in some way. So this is an opportunity for us to reach out uh, Mm -hmm. to someone and, and say, Hey, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, have we met before? And, uh, my name's Craig, thanks for being here. And do you, are you here as a, as a guest, you know, are you with, uh, looks like you're with, um, you you brought roses to the to give to the little girl who just sang. So uh, anyway, I think just looking for an opportunity. Yeah, that's really good, out. man. That's good. Um, and then on the twenty second will be kind of our official Christmas celebration service. Uh, both services we will uh, have a message about Christmas itself. Um, and then of course on the 24th is the candlelight service at 5 PM, Very good. uh, which gives you time. It's 5 PM. It's less than an hour or an hour tops, but we're done at six. So if you need to, if you've got a family engagement that night, you can still make it. Yeah. Um, if you're going with your family members to another Christmas Eve service that night, you can still do, do your home church and the family church or whatever it is. If it's later, I guess. Um, so anyway, all, all of those, I just think it's important that we think about their opportunities to invite people. Mm-hmm. Who could you invite uh, yeah. that might come? People will come Christmas Eve that won't come any other time. Yeah, or that's true. Um, 
it's just a great time for that. This Saturday night, if you're listening to this before Saturday, the 7th, um, is the Flourish mm, Christmas yeah, party. that's right. Um, Mary Main Street is the same time, and uh, so watch for traffic. But we will be, uh, we have a booth out there for Alpha and Reengage cool. to invite people to that. So that's great. this is a time to pray. Let's pray that we are able to meet folks, welcome them as we... Uh, sing about the mercy of Christ that's come. How yeah. who can we reach out to? So it's a really special time of the year. And I always love meeting people's family uh, uh, at this time of the year. So uh, introduce me to your family if they're here. I'd, I'd love to meet them, uh, but I love to meet people's, um, uh, you know, the guests they bring at this yeah. time of year. Yeah, that's great. Do you man. have family coming in this Christmas? No, your family nope. was just here. Nope. Yeah. They were here a month ago, month yeah. and a half ago, something like that. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was good having them there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we are we are laying low this year and yeah. uh, not traveling or anything. So that'll be that'll be kind of good to just kind of have some time in and yeah, yeah, it'll be great. But uh, looks like we're gonna have a great December here at church. I'm I'm really excited. A December to remember. Yeah. Now, which which uh, service do I need to come to if I want eggnog? Oh yeah, that, you know I don't know. That's a secret, Jared. You come to them all, and you never know. There might be eggnog you, you, at one of you them. You don't know what might be it. The any answer of them. is either yes or no. Well, so you just you just don't know. I'm not an eggnog fan. Really? It, do, do people drink virgin eggnog? Yeah, totally. I oh. just had some last night. Oh, did you? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I just think of. Uh, I didn't know if that was a uh, because at the church. Oh, that or one. our stance on drinking would be people are free in their conscience to drink. Sure. That'd be our official stance. But not that, at a church event. But at a church event, we wouldn't be serving uh, alcoholic eggnog. Right. But see, I don't drink eggnog, and so I just thought it was yeah. all, I'm not opposed to alcohol, but I, we just wouldn't serve it yeah, here. Yeah. No, probably no, in the morning either, right? You, you know, yeah, in the morning. It's really alcohol? great as, no, 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 not with alcohol. Get the alcohol out of your mind. <laughs> no, I, okay. you know, it, it's What t- are the ingredients? Uh, <laughs> eggs and nog. <laughs> no. It's, I, I've made it a couple times. It's stuff like nutmeg, cinnamon, sugar. Uh, I, I think cream. Uh, it's usually like heavy whipping cream, I think. Yes. And then eggs, of course. Um, it is, if you make it homemade, it's usually raw, but you can, you can do like home pasteurization, I guess, where you could, you put the, the sounds, mixture on the stove risky. And, and what having raw eggs. Yeah, you're not you're supposed to drink. I mean, Rocky. Dude, did, that's like saying like, oh, you you shouldn't eat cookie dough. Everyone eats cookie dough, and no one has died. Yeah, it's fine. Really? Yeah, it's totally. It's really good too. I, it's it's frothy. It's it's creamy. It's really good. So, I mean, I, to me, honestly, the raw egg idea was kind of gross to me, but it's good. I, I you know, once I got it's it, it blended up, up though, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not just like hanging out. Yeah, yeah, it's not like I'm working out or anything like no, that. No, it's no, good. It's a, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, all that's to say, it's really good. I'm surprised you don't like it. You, yeah, you I, I mean, I just might like it. Really? Yeah. It, what is the alcohol they put in it? It's all kinds of things. There's spiced rum is okay. is pretty good in it. I think most people do some kind of whiskey or bourbon. Okay. Um, so. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't. Uh, we don't use talk about alcohol in this podcast. So no, we, we don't. We won't. But I, yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> I don't know regular eggnog. Yeah, it's just not something that I've really been into. It's time for us to take our relationship to the next step and and drink some eggnog <laughs> together. Okay, let's so, let's uh, let's do that. But I'm pretty sure that we won't have raw eggs at any yeah, of our we performances. Won't. But, <laughs> we will uh, not. But anyway, uh, pl- you'll get the card on Sunday, yeah. and just encourage you to an- invite a neighbor. And over the years, you know, Jared, I know we're going on a little bit long. That's okay. But if people aren't interested, they cut off a long time ago. That's but, true. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I have had neighbors. 
um, visit at Christmas for all kinds of reasons over the years. I've just found it's an interesting. One time we had a neighbor that was just here for one year. They were like on a work project and mm. they were from, this is many years ago here, here at this church, but it was like two houses, three houses ago for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were probably, it was probably 2007 or eight. Mm. And uh, they were from, oh, my wife will remember, my kids will remember. They were from somewhere in, uh, in Europe, maybe Austria or somewhere, but it was a place that was highly unchurched, very secular, very. And so they were wanting to just take in whatever the American culture thing was. So a Christmas Eve church service, that's like an American thing. So they they didn't come for... Uh, necessarily religious purposes. They yeah. came, well, let's, this is kind of an, yeah, we invited in America, them. Oh, let's yeah. experience well, it. What do you do? You go to church on Christmas Eve yeah. and there'll be other people who maybe grew up, maybe they grew up uh, in a certain religious tradition, mm-hmm. maybe they grew up Roman Catholic or something, but they don't, they don't go to church now, any yeah. kind of a church. Um, and, but they go, oh, I kind of have memories of part of growing up with you know, was going to Christmas Eve service and now I've got kids. And so, I mean, we're not really religious, but maybe we'd at least go. Right. And uh, so I just find that people are open to this because of a cultural interest, because of their kids, Mm -hmm. uh, because of a memory, something they, yeah, it could feel like this is what it feels like Christmas. It feels like a certain Christmas nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We got, yeah. Charlie Brown. We've got, uh, you know, the uh, Luke two from the Charlie Brown Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Hey, it's a time where I grew up with all of these religious yeah. sort of things, or I've heard about them, or again, someone who maybe is from a different religion. Even mm-hmm. um, I had a, a Muslim friend that I'd invited to Easter, uh, and he got sick the night before and couldn't come. But mm. he said he would come, yeah. but it, it wasn't. It was largely just out of an interest of yeah. you know finding. Out, I'd like. What is the other? What is your religion? Mm-hmm. What's your What's your Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. his was maybe Ramadan or whatever. Yeah. Our Super Bowl is Easter or whatever. So, what's your big deal in your religion? Yeah. I'll come to that and check yeah, it out. So, I would say, don't even if someone's an um, an atheist, a yeah. Hindu, a Muslim, I, I, whoever they are, from wherever they are, whatever they believe. Christmas Eve is an opportunity to say, hey, we'd like to invite you out. And I don't know if you've ever been to a candlelight Christmas Eve service, but it's kind of a traditional thing a lot of churches do. We'd love to have you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll check that out. So that's you, good, you never man. know. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, these handouts are top notch. So thanks to Meg for getting these made. Absolutely. So, well, thank you so much again for taking the time out of your evening. Looking forward to all that December has in store for us. Yes, me too. And Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you yeah, as we can well. finally say we that. Can it's say great. That. So anyways, all right. Well, I will see you again uh, next time. And thank you to our listeners. Hey guys, again, if you have sermon related questions, feel free to text or email those in and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you again next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.